How global ocean and atmospheric patterns contribute to wildfires. One of the frequent things we see with climate change is that it effectively maximises the extremes or makes the extremes more extreme. Very British weather, a great talking point, and now we can read about it. Each chapter deals with a specific type of weather, fog, thunderstorms, sunshine, snow. As we pass the autumn equinox, the weather too is transitioning. Across northern Britain, especially on Sunday morning, we could drop down as low as minus five Celsius. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is Weathersnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. Extreme wildfires haven't been out of the headlines this past year, from Australia to Siberia, California to Oregon. A new blog post on the Met Office website by Chief Scientist Professor Stephen Belcher examines the cause of these record-breaking fires and the measures needed to contain them. By May 2020, the number of wildfires recorded in South America was already higher than any previous year since monitoring began in 1998. In North America, California has seen a five-fold increase in annual wildfires since the early 1970s. Professor Belcher explains that global ocean and atmospheric drivers need to be considered when understanding what factors contribute to the extent and intensity of wildfires. This was certainly the case during the recent Australian bushfires. Here's Nick Silkstone, Deputy Chief Forecaster at the Met Office. Well, most people know about ENSA or the El Nino-La Nina cycle, which affects the tropical Pacific Ocean. This is a similar type phenomenon, but across the Indian Ocean, which sits to the north and west of Australia. The Indian Ocean actually has relatively small normal temperature contrast between the east and west of the basin. But sometimes you do actually get a contrast if the west of the basin is much warmer, the east related to that is much cooler because of stronger westerly trade winds along the equator. We call that a positive Indian Ocean dipole, which develops. That produces basically anomalous rainfall across the western parts of the Indian Ocean, so parts of eastern Africa. Related to that, it produces much drier conditions across the maritime continent. So we're thinking of Indonesia, for example, there, and large swathes of Australia in the late winter and spring. In 2019 to 2020, the positive Indian Ocean dipole event was one of the strongest on record uh, that we've seen, certainly the strongest since the 1960s. And with it being strongly positive, that really enhances precipitation across the west of the Indian Ocean and really suppresses it across the eastern part, including much of central and eastern Australia. It means that following the winter there into their spring and early summer, that dry season basically comes early which impacts upon some crop growth, but allows other vegetation to really shoot on during the winter and then dry out and have a lot of fuel remaining in the area ahead of the following spring and summer season. And that's why the season was so extended across this part of the world. It's believed to be a, a key contributor, which meant that the wildfire season started much earlier than usual across uh, central and particularly eastern Australia, and then continued into their summer, which is their normal peak wildfire season in that part of the world. So that's the IOD in this blog that Professor Belcher um, has written. He also talks about climate change, and obviously that contributes to the wildfire season as well. One of the frequent things we see with climate change is that it effectively maximises the extremes or makes the extremes more extreme in many parts of the world. And that includes across Australia. 
So when they do have these drier spells, uh, they can be much drier uh, than they were before over a much greater duration, which is uh, say a long-term effect which feeds into these sort of sub-season oscillations such as the Indian Ocean Dipole. The latest review of scientific evidence on wildfires and climate change was published today in sciencebrief.org. It concludes land management alone cannot explain increases in wildfire extent and intensity across the western side of the US or across southeast Australia. More so, the increasing importance of climate change must be considered as a strong driver in terms of length and severity of the wildfire season. There's a new weather book coming out and it's written by a team right here at the Met Office. The book is called Very British Weather and one of the authors is our very own Ada McGiven. Well, it's all about British weather, essentially. It's what we love talking about here at the Met Office and across the UK. People love talking about the weather or complaining. We get any weather at any time of year. That's what makes the weather in the UK so fascinating. And that's why the book deals with the weather chapter by chapter. Each chapter deals with a specific type of weather, fog, thunderstorms, sunshine, snow and so on. It's not the type of book that you have to read cover to cover. You can just dip in and out depending on what the weather's doing that day or where your mood takes you. So, for example, on a wet day, you could learn about when Britain's wettest day happened or how rainfall radar was invented or even how to accurately draw a raindrop. Well, let's hear a little extract now. While raindrops are usually represented in the shape of a teardrop, in reality, they're not. When they first form high up in the atmosphere, they are a spherical shape. As they begin to fall, their shape changes. Air resistance causes the bottom of the drop to flatten and curve, resembling the shape of a jelly bean. Perhaps its raining jelly beans should replace the classic cats and dogs. I know this was a team effort. Many colleagues from the Met Office were involved and contributed. But tell me what the main challenges were with writing such a book on British weather. Well, it's pitching it at the right level, I think. We wanted this to appeal to as broad an audience as possible, especially when you deal with some of the more scientific aspects. You need to make them accessible to a general audience, but also interesting enough to self-confessed weather geeks like me. One of the other challenges is that, you know, we wanted to include as many weather facts and stats as possible. But as we know, these can quickly go out of date. And even during the proofreading of this book, one of the most key weather stats was broken. That was the sunniest spring and sunniest May on record. So those were last minute additions to the book. So, Aidan, when is this book out? Well, the book will be in your local bookshop or online from the 15th of October, but you can always pre-order the book now. Senior meteorologist and author Ada McGibbon. And if you'd like your own copy of Very British Weather, details of where to pre-order are available in the notes accompanying this podcast. Now here's the weather details for the next few days with Alex Deacon. 
Thanks, Claire. Most of us will have some fine weather this weekend, but it is going to be on the cold side. That brisk northerly wind blowing across the country on Friday will only slowly ease. We're going to have some unusually cold mornings. And it's not completely dry and sunny everywhere. There's an area of low pressure just sitting out in the North Sea. That's going to throw some showers across eastern England on Saturday and perhaps again on Sunday. So some showers here, but elsewhere, bar the odd shower, most places dry and bright. It will be chilly, though. Temperatures really struggling. A brisk northerly wind. Uh, well, it won't be quite as strong on Saturday as it was on Friday, but it will still be noticeable. 14 or 15 at the very best. And again, feeling colder because of that wind. It gets particularly cold on Saturday night because the winds ease off. So when the winds uh, turn light under those clear skies, it is going to turn cold. And more likely to see a frost across northern Britain, especially on Sunday morning. We could drop down as low as minus 5 Celsius. All the while, though, across eastern England, there'll be a brisk breeze blowing. And again on Sunday, a few showers here. But away from those showers, most of the UK will be chilly on Sunday, but again, dry and bright. And with lighter winds compared to Saturday, it'll feel a bit warmer. By the time we get into next week, low pressure looks like dominating. But um, at first, uh, it'll be quite slow moving. So again, a few showers on Monday, but some other spots dry. And turning a touch warmer, temperatures getting back up closer to average through the early part of next week. The end of next week, though could see things getting rather more unsettled again as the jet stream gets more active and we could see some spells of wet and windy weather. So make sure you're staying up to date with the latest from the Met Office. Before I go, here's uh, weekly weather extremes from Monday the 14th to Sunday the 20th of September. The highest max occurred on Tuesday the 15th in Frittenden in Kent with a temperature of 31.3 Celsius. Shap in Cumbria recorded the lowest temperature of 0.7 Celsius in the small hours of Friday morning. The sunniest spot in one day was on Monday the 14th at Leckenfield in East Yorkshire, where there was 11.9 hours of sunshine. Many areas had a very dry and sunny week, but there was some rain in the west, and the highest daily rainfall total was on Tuesday at Tyndrum in Stirling, when 17.8 millimetres fell. Thank you, Alex. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir and producer is Adrian Holloway. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.